It's a mailbag episode here at Lockdown Heat. We'll be answering questions about the all-star selections and how Miami might be represented there. And then how can the Heat keep Caleb Martin? Because he is definitely the hot topic here in South Florida. We'll answer all these questions and much, much more coming up next. You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. It's a Friday edition of Locked On Heat. Thank you so much for listening on YouTube, Odyssey, or wherever you get podcasts. Thank you again for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Wes Goldberg. We're wrapping up the week, as we often do, with a special mailbag edition. We took your questions via Twitter, via email. You can send them to us in any fashion, and we'll answer them. This is what we're doing today, and we'll start off with this first question that comes in from Julian. He writes in, I know that you've urged Heat fans to vote for their players for the All-Star game, but in a hypothetical scenario where the Miami Heat don't have any All-Stars, what does that say about this team? The coaching staff, the media, their roster, etc. Kind of a big question there because right. I think it calls into question, one, whether or not Miami actually has any All-Star worthy players, which I think the answer is pretty clearly that they do. But then as far as the whole selection process is concerned, whether or not there are some faults in that system, what's your take on it? First of all, I don't really see many faults in the system unless like Andrew Wiggins does end up as a starter in the Western Conference because of that fan vote. Uh, okay. Then I'd be like, all right, let's I pump the brakes here. Not because I don't think Andrew Wiggins is an all-star. I really think he's an all-star, but if he got in, it wouldn't just, it wouldn't be like Derek Rose making the all-star game, uh, yeah. which has no business happening and he's getting a bunch yeah. of votes, but he shouldn't be a starter, right? Like we all understand that. And, and you have the, you have the fan vote, which is the the first returns and the second returns. And, and this week, I, I believe it's the third returns that we keep seeing every Thursday afternoon. And in those returns, um, they have Jimmy Butler in fifth in the front court in the Eastern Conference. Tyler Hero out of the top 10. He was in the top 10 when the first returns came out. He dropped out of them in the last couple of weeks. Um, and then Bam Adebayo sliding a little bit in the front court in the Eastern Conference as well to eighth. I think he was at sixth or seventh before uh, last week. But it's the fan vote. It's also you have a you have a, a, a media vote component and a player vote component and a coach's vote component. And the coach the coaches will end up selecting the and that's to select the starters and then the coaches end up selecting the reserves. So I don't think it's flawed, but call me again in a couple of weeks when we see who the starters are, or I guess next week. But with all that said, I'm not too worried about the Heat getting somebody in. They're not going to get a starter, and they don't really deserve to have a starter in the All-Star game. I think in the East, it's going to be uh, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Embiid, and they should be. I know Durant's hurt. I don't care. Giannis missed some games. I don't care. Joel Embiid is borderline MVP, if not MVP right now in the league. Um, yeah. That's your three front court guys. And then the guards, it's got to be, to me, got to be DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young. I know that the Hawks stink, but that offense is still really good. And Trey Young is not the problem there. And you can blame the defense on a lot of things in Atlanta, but Trey Young was never supposed to be the answer on defense. He was supposed to be the answer on offense, and he's got them playing at a top five rate right now. So I put Trey Young and then DeMar DeRozan also, again, borderline MVP type of year right now. So I've got that as my backcourt. But then after that, then you're like, all right, who's going to get in? And I think the answer is obvious. Jimmy Butler is getting into the All-Star game. And there's a few reasons why. First of all, I know he hasn't played a lot of games. It's, he hasn't even played 30 games this year, and that could hurt his case. And if you were really hell-bent on keeping Jimmy Butler out of the All-Star game for some reason, that would be the case you would make because there's no other case you can make. 
He's been awesome. All NBA level defense when he's on the floor, averaging more points per game this year than he did last year. He missed the all-star game last year because he missed so many games before the all-star break. He hasn't missed quite as many games, even with the tailbone contusion and the ankle thing. Um, so I think, and look, coaches loved yeah, him. But that was a short schedule. That was a shortened schedule. Remember, it was only it was seventy-two too. games, so that's why he. I mean, if he missed more, I don't. I don't actually think he missed more. He missed a chunk of the All-Star yeah. selection. It was Maybe the a whole greater schedule percentage. I don't know, yeah. but Jimmy will end up playing thirty-plus games by the time the All-Star uh, final votes come in, and so I'm not that worried about it. I think Jimmy Butler makes it in on the coaches' vote. Yeah. Bam, I don't think he Tyler, the other guys we're talking about. Uh, you don't, don't think, think Jimmy makes it? Makes it? No, I, 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 I disagree. That I think that he is liked by coaches. Like, yes. You scout for Jimmy. I huh. think you worry about his defensive intensity, et cetera. I don't know that he's like well liked. He, he's not getting your sympathy vote respected. like Chris Bosch or respected. Yeah. Concerned, I think feared, is, maybe. Respected. Look, I'll take respected and feared for, before sure. liked. Uh, yeah. and, and I think that might be enough to get him into the All Star game. Maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think a lot of huh. coaches probably see floor general on the you know general on the floor type Kyle Lowry role and say he's the guy that's helped get them to this point and he's played during those games when they were absent and I think it may be especially from the coach's perspective it's like well it doesn't matter who you have out there because it's all up to Eric Spolster he's the one that's getting the most you could field any team out there including one with Derek Williams and James Johnson and you're going to get 41 wins out of them right so I think when it comes to the coaches Maybe they recognize that Jimmy is the best player on this team, although I think that's probably somewhat uh, leaning towards Bam more often than not. And then Kyle probably playing a big role of it. But the fact that Caleb Martin's having the year that he has, that so many other players have stepped up, that Max Struess is now a guy that you don't even need Duncan Robinson. You know, these are kind of the, the views from the outside as far as what this team is concerned. And if, there's, if it's going to follow the coaches, I don't know that they're going to say, Jimmy's such a great, likable guy, or even one that we were so fearsome of, or respect so much that we have to vote him in. Well, so, I mean, to me, there, there might be something to that because he didn't make it last year. And yeah. you could have argued that he, I don't know, there wasn't a whole lot of people, like Jimmy Butler the second half of last year was much better than Jimmy Butler the first half of last year. That he was had, also you know, coming off that phenomenal finals run where he opened eyes he had, all over the country. Yes. And he had only 70 days of an off season or something like that, right? right. 71 days right. of an off season. And he wasn't right. He wasn't right. Um, the other part of this too that we need to consider is that it's not as far as the 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 reserves in the all-star game, it's two guards, three forwards, and two wild cards. Right. And I think I, I should have mentioned Kyle Lowry. I forgot about him because he's he's out for personal reasons right now. But I think him and Jimmy would be the guys that I would get the most consideration from the coaches for the reserve spots. But the problem is in the Eastern Conference, the backcourt is loaded. I mean, I think DeMar DeRozan and Trey Young are your Eastern Conference starters. But you can make an argument for James Harden. You can make an ar- argument for an all Chicago backcourt and put Zach Levine in there with DeMar DeRozan. Like there are there are guys that you could put in those places. And we haven't even mentioned LaMelo Ball, Bradley Beal, Darius Garland from Cleveland. Uh, there's a lot of guys where I think with the forwards, not quite as many. I think Jason Tatum, he's he's had a great year. I think he's an all-star. And then what? I mean, Chris Milton was hasn't been as good. Oh, I am Drew Holiday. I know he's missed a few games. What about but... Tyler? I mean, we're talking about coaches and a subjective opinion here. What do you sure. think their view is of a guy who can you know light you up for thirty off the bench? Isn't that doesn't that kind of merit some just, of that respect that we're talking I, about? I just don't see it. I just don't. You don't. When was the last time a sixth man got in the All Star game? I know it's happened, but it's been it's been like ten years or something. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, and and I like Fred Van Vliet, man. Like there are a lot of guys in in, in the backcourt in the East that have 
that step not in front. I think Kyle Hero, Kyle Lowry would get in front of Tyler Hero. I think the coaches would yes. vote Lowry in before Hero. And so we're not even we're not even through Lowry yet. Uh, and then, but I, I think Jimmy Butler would have a much easier time getting in is what I'm trying to say, because I don't think the forward depth is quite as deep as it is in the backcourt in the Eastern conference. And so when you're just sort of doing the numbers game here, I think Jimmy Butler is the guy that would get in. If anybody gets in from Miami, Miami right. has to get somebody in. I would be shocked if they didn't back to the question here. I would be shocked I, I if they didn't. You tend, you, we tend to see the best teams in the, in each conference get rewarded with at least one all-star. That's t- typically how this stuff works. And so, uh, the question really is who has a who has a better chance of making it, Jimmy or Kyle? And I just think because of the numbers, it's probably Jimmy. And when I'm, I'm talking about the guy, the, the other players in the in the Eastern Conference. So if they don't have any all stars, which I think is a very realistic possibility, uh, what does it say about the team that they're very good? I think that's all that matters. I think that the the, the this is what I'm talking about when I say that there's a, a, a flaw in the voting is that one. Half of it is centered around fans and who they like best, which is a popularity contest and not necessarily based on merit. And I guess a lot of these selections are also lacking in context and nuance. You know, even a guy like Trey Young, I I am not as much of a fan as a lot of people. I think there's somewhat of a looter in a riot kind of uh, element to his big numbers. Uh, I'm not necessarily concerned about him as a player. Like if in a, in a playoff matchup, I know he can light you up and he can certainly be dangerous. But the inefficiency, I think, is still something that bothers me. So again, this is the subjective nature of it. Uh, to Julian's question about the coaching staff, it says that, like I said before, that they're capable of getting the best out of everybody. About the media, that they're going to lean towards players that they like. I, I don't think there's as much of a, they don't have as much of a say in who gets to earn an all-star selection. Again, as we've seen from players, what they're mostly concerned about is all NBA selections, because I think that's where your contracts are normally tied to. You get that all NBA selection, you're going to get that bonus. So that's really where, where you're standing out among your peers, not just among the Eastern or Western Conference, but among all of them. Uh, and about the roster, it says that the roster is really damn good. And if they can continue to win, that's all that matters. I think if you ask every player like you did last season, especially coming off a of finals run, they had no concerns about not making the All-Star team. I don't think Bam cared about it. I don't think Jimmy cared about it. I know Jimmy didn't care about it. Uh, and having said that, I think they were just concentrating on winning and getting the most out of that roster last season. But you know what? We've talked long about the All-Star selection So we'll wrap up this segment here before we talk a little bit about potential rotation questions and how Miami can keep Caleb Martin, because I think that's something a lot of Heat fans want to know. But first, just a reminder that BetOnline is a sponsor of the show, and they'll like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march of the playoffs and beyond. BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action for 2022, New Year, and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked On to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts, and don't forget to use that promo code Locked On. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. As always, make sure to subscribe to get the show on a daily basis. And thank you so much to all of you who sent in questions. We love to get that kind of feedback and interaction with all of our fans and listeners. And keep it up because there's so many ways that you can reach us. But we'll continue our mailbag questions with this next one that comes in from Jade. He writes in, when Victor Oladipo comes back, who gets bumped out of the rotation or will it be matchup-based rotation? We've got variations of this question from Mike and others 
a lot of people who want to know what the rotation is going to be like because this, you know, a good problem to have, as we've often referred to it, this team, the deepest perhaps in Miami Heat history, so many players that can contribute because of the strength of this coaching staff. So who do you think gets bumped out of the rotation? Is it Caleb Martin? I don't think it's Caleb Martin, no. I think Caleb Martin has made enough of an impact where he has to be on the court, and he probably has to be on the court at the end of games like we've seen so much. Uh, because of what he can do defensively, because he can make three-point shots, because he's opportunistic in chasing offensive rebounds and crashing the glass and getting putbacks and things like that. All the things that Eric Spolster loved about Derek Jones Jr. and then some, right? I think Caleb Martin is just Derek Jones Jr. on steroids with a three-pointer, right? That's kind of what we're seeing here. Um, we've seen Spo, you know, favor guys lean that way uh, in the past already and, and obviously right now with Caleb. So I think Caleb's in the rotation. Look, I think this goes back to the Duncan Robinson question that we were asking earlier this week. What's the spot in the rotation for him long-term if he right. can't nail down this starting spot? Now, I'll say this. I thought he's been okay the last couple of games, but he hasn't closed games, and I think that matters. He doesn't play a ton in the fourth quarter, and I don't know that that matters so much that he's out of the rotation. It just means that he's not playing in the fourth quarter, right? But yeah. – um, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to say because we don't know what Victor Oladipo is going to look like. Is he 80% of what he was? Is he 20% of what he was? We have no idea. Victor Oladipo could be the guy that's not in the rotation. I think a lot of Heat fans are just assuming Depot has to be. Depot is going to get run. They're going to test drive Oladipo and see what he's got left in the tank. But that doesn't mean that he's in the rotation forever. He could be awful. And then they're just like, all right, it was a one-year deal. It was a nice experiment. He's just not, he's not who he was. Conversely, if he's like all-star level Victor Oladipo, then who cares? You pump anybody out of the rotation other than right. Jimmy Butler. That's the only other player that's clearly better than that version of Victor Oladipo, which, you know, that's extremely optimistic. So I don't know that we'll be getting that. I mean, you can, can I, make a case. Yeah, go ahead. I'm no, curious. I, just, I, I, I sort of asked Spo about this after the game last night. And it yeah, was really Gabe in Vincent, terms right? of Gabe Vincent, right? And yeah. he completely a, 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 evaded the Gabe Vincent part of it. But I actually thought the answer he gave me was more interesting. Hmm. Um, I think I, I, let me, let me pull it up here because I think the quote itself is, is a good one talking about how, um, you asked him basically if it was getting harder to keep him off the floor and find ways yes. of, of incorporating him out there. Right. That was, if I recall correctly. And here's the exact, and, the, the, his answer was quote, to play for something special, you need depth, you need talent. And I think everybody in our locker room feels extremely capable that if we have to go deep into our roster and that's the way it should be. Now, mm. that's going to require some sacrifice, and our guys are emotionally stable to understand that. doesn't mean there won't be tough days. There'll be some right. tough decisions, but you get nights like this. You get nights where guys are able to contribute and help you win. That's the main thing. So to me, when I'm, ta- when I'm talking about – when you say – when Spo says you're playing for something special and you need depth, okay, and then it's going to require sacrifice, and it's going to be hard, and there's going to be tough decisions. That's right. kind of what I – those. that's what sticks out to me in that quote. Um Going into the season, I know that we talked about depth as a concern, David, but um, it's obviously not anymore. But I don't know all that much has changed in the rotation other than Caleb Martin and Max Struess. Yep. Um, I, I, I wonder if Max ends up just taking Duncan's minutes and, and Caleb just sort of takes the minutes that were sort of allocated hypothetically for Victor Oladipo. But yeah. look, every you can only really go eight or nine deep, right? Like, you have a core eight to nine guys who play every night, and then your ninth, tenth, eleventh guy 
maybe they play on in injury situations yeah. or when a guy gets into foul trouble or because of a certain matchup. But basically, you're looking at eight or nine guys, and then yeah. the other the other five or six guys on the roster. Or in this case, he'd only have 14 players on the roster, or well, 15 if you really count uh, Caleb and and whatever. The other guys, they they have to be okay with a bench role. And we know what Udonis Haslam's role is, right? We know that he's going to be your veteran locker room leader. He's not playing. Right. Uh, and you look at, uh, you know, these other, a Kyle guy on the two-way, he's not playing every night. No. Omer Yurtsevin, when we talk about him, yeah, like a lot of people are upset that he's not playing. We even, we keep, we keep getting questions about him starting. He's not right. in the rotation right now because yeah, he seven was seconds going into over the, the last season, two games. Right. He was going into the, the season as the developmental guy. And that's another guy, a young guy who's developing, who's okay with not playing. And that's Omer Yurtsevin. You know, who's not going to be okay with not playing is Dwayne Dedman. And that's not, that's not anything personal to Dwayne Dedman, but Dedman is a veteran. He deserves, and he's earned the trust of playing, and, and he's in yeah. the rotation, and Yurtsevin's got his whole career ahead of him. And so I just, you need to narrow it down to eight or nine guys, and, I, and, and, and that's why I think Eric Spolster talks about the sacrifice and the playing for something special, because Spo is going to keep, I know he always talks about the day-to-day -day and just trying to get through this, and that's what he's supposed to do, but at the end of the day, he's talking about winning a championship, and who are the nine, eight or nine guys they're going to best help you win a championship. And then everything else just falls out as, as it falls. You know, Victor Oladipo would probably be a little concerned about his minutes too, because I mean, he's in a short-term deal. He wants to be able to capitalize his production this year. He signed with Miami, I think one, because he's always wanted to play for Miami, but two, because he wants to be able to continue to work with his team mm -hmm. and show the rest of the league that he can play at a high level and then garner that big contract next year as a free agent, not as big as he was once going to get. So I think there would be some concerns there. Maybe, maybe the question for a later day. And I know when everybody's feeling as positively as they are now, and I hate to be that kind of guy who does this, but maybe there's some concern down the road, whether or not there's going to be some internal strife or some locker room grumbling or things of that sort. Right now, everything's hunky dory. You've got players that are sitting out due to health and safety protocols. You've got players sitting out for personal reasons or injury and things of that sort. And everybody's getting their opportunity. Everybody's getting their taste. But what happens in a couple months from now, in March, when maybe Victor Oladipo comes back and he's not getting the playing time he needed or wants, when Max is not playing, when Yurt Severn is not playing, and on and on, maybe we'll start to see some grumbling, especially from guys like Dwayne Dedman and others. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, we've got a quick question here. Maybe not a quick question here, but a combination of people who want to know what the Heat need to do in order to sign Caleb Martin for the rest of the season and beyond and getting him back uh, next season on a contract. So that's a great question. Uh, I think we've seen already that a lot of people theorize that what's likely to happen is that Miami can keep him on a contract and sign him at the end of the, uh, this, of the year, uh, like they did Kendrick Nunn, et cetera, just so that he's part of their roster and eligible for a playoff role. Uh, because if he's on a two-way contract, then he would not be eligible for a playoff right. spot. So I think that's probably what will happen is yeah. that they'll sign him towards the end of the con of the end of the regular season and he'll be on the playoff roster. And then as far as next season's concerned, oh, that's a tough one. I mean, because at this point now you're looking at Tyler Hero garnering an extension soon. You're looking at uh, Duncan Robinson's contract ballooning. Uh, you're also looking at Victor Oladipo, whether or not you even entertain the idea of keeping him, depending on what he shows this season. Right. Do you bring Brad Dane Deadman? Do you let him walk in free agency? Because now you've got Yurt Seven as ostensibly your second uh, center on the roster. Do you keep Caleb Martin? I mean, it's also a matter of the market. You know, like we saw a couple seasons ago when Derek Jones Jr., who you mentioned before as a comparison, he took that deal with Portland uh, because, was it, wait, 
Yeah, Portland. He took the. Well, wait, can I stop the you there though? Because I don't know that Please, the market's yeah. going to come into play because the Heat are going to sign Caleb Martin. They're going to sign him to the the main roster. That's it. That's as well known this a year. fact as there is. This year, uh, they'll this season they'll sign him on March twenty fifth. Right. At that day, they can essentially oh. keep sign him right. and yeah. then make that prorated minimum fit under that luxury tax. The Heat right now are about four hundred thousand dollars short of the luxury tax. Now that could change if something happens at the trade deadline and. Any sort of move that they make clears some room, and then they could just promote Caleb Martin. Um, but that's what's going to happen because they want to have Caleb Martin available for the playoffs. Because if he's on a two-way contract, he is not eligible to play in the playoffs. So that also factors the Kyle guy just a note. But uh, Martin will end up on the regular on, on the regular roster by the end of the regular season. Circle March twenty fifth if you're a Heat fan and you really want to keep up with this stuff. But the other part that does that, that the other thing that that does for Miami is it gives them early bird rights and makes Caleb Martin a restricted free agent going into this summer. So you might see a little bit of a market uh, if there's another team that offers him an offer sheet. But I don't think that this is a Tyler Johnson type of deal, situation where there's going to be a major cap spike and people are just looking for ways to spend their money. That cap spike is not coming at the end of another COVID season. Um and and I don't know that Caleb, as impressive as Caleb Martin has been, I don't know that he's the guy that teams are like, all right, let's tie up our cap room and everything so that we could put in an offer sheet in Caleb Martin and wait a week to see what he does about it. No. Specifically, do specific, about it, really. yeah, specifically when you've seen guys like Derrick Jones Jr. and Kendrick Nunn and Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson who've got these deals and then they kind of just flounder, it's more and more yes. evidence that you only thrive when you're in Miami, when you're playing for Eric Spolstra. And so Look, I think uh, the chances yeah. are good that Caleb Martin stays in Miami. I think they'll re-sign him. I don't think they'll think hard of it uh, much about it. Uh, the early bird rights does cap what you can offer him. So that's What's one fair? thing about it. Four for 20? No, I don't think he can't make that. I don't know that. I don't know what the percent raises are. We got to get a, a cap expert here, but I, I don't know right. that he can. It's not like an unlimited ceiling. I I, I think he'll just re-sign with Miami because again, he's, he'll be restricted. Um, but that also puts the ball in, like, the Heat can offer Caleb Martin a regular roster spot. He doesn't, on March 25th, he does not have to take it. Mm. He does not have to take it if he thinks his earning power is such that he would, my feeling is that he would keep it, that he would take the offer and stay. Now, uh, it would be a prorated minimum. That's the only way that they could fit him under the luxury tax. So, that's just the one thing. But I, I, my, my sense in talking to Caleb and, and people around him is that he probably would take that and stay. And, and then try to, and maybe a one-year deal, and then and then test out the market later on. Well, we'll wrap up the uh, mailbag episode with our next segment where we answer questions about P.J. Tucker uh, and uh, the heat rotation and other questions regarding the Los Angeles Lakers and a comparison for the Miami Heat. But first, a reminder that Built Bar is a sponsor of this show. Built Bar, if you have made a New Year's resolution, and a lot of you have, and yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan because it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it unlike other protein bars that can be chalky or waxy or just don't taste very good at all. These are soft, 100% covered in chocolate, easy to chew and taste great. So many delicious flavors. You can get a mixed box of all of your favorites. Keep some for yourself. Give some out to friends, family, co-workers, whoever you like. And again, you're on your path to completing your resolution. It's so important for all of us in January to make sure that we stick to our resolutions and Built Bar makes it easy. So go to Built.com Use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only at Built.com. 
Thank you for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Lockdown Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts. Listen to Lockdown Now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or watch it on the Lockdown NBA YouTube channel. We're wrapping up our mailbag episode, and this one comes from Nadayana, who writes in, Is there a lesson for the Heat? From the current troubles of the Los Angeles Lakers, who elected not to re-sign some of the key role players that contributed to their championship two years ago, I sure hope so. I guess he's referring to Alex Caruso and others that left in free agency. But I think there's more problems with that Lakers roster uh, and, and whether or not, you know, they're just they have older players. They've got Anthony Davis, who hasn't been playing at a high level, also even before he was injured. But as far as extrapolating out from that and how it impacts the heat, what do you think? Well, I, I think that Miami's done a really good job of assembling this roster. And you even look at the fact that they executed a sign-in trade to get Kyle Lowry as opposed to sign him outright as a free agent into cap space and just the the different kind of uh, flexibility that gives you from a cap perspective. And that's the one thing that the Lakers have gotten wrong is that they absorb LeBron into cap space. Um, they obviously traded a lot of things for Anthony Davis. Um, they traded a bunch of things for Russell Westbrook. But this is essential, and then everybody else is essentially a free agent signing. This, right. That's a team basically signed with acquisitions and is not homegrown. And right. uh, to, to the question, like there is value in keeping your homegrown guys, like your Alex Caruso's, some of the other players that you had given extensions to. And the way that Miami's built this roster, I think they'll be okay. Um, I know that a lot of guys weren't aren't you know quote unquote homegrown, but you kind of get that that the same sort of cap flexibility when you execute a sign and trade for Jimmy Butler, and you do the same thing with Kyle Lowry, and then you look at a guy like Tyler Hero who is up for an extension this summer. Now, he may take it, he may not. That's going to be a personal decision with him and whatever the finances work out to and whatever it is that the Heat offer him in regards to that extension. But Tyler Hero will sign another contract with the Heat. It's just, yeah. it's the, that's not a question. The question is, when does he sign it and what does it look like and, and how is it mu- how, how much is it for? Bam Adebayo has already signed the extension. They kept him. Um, and then you got these other guys. We just got done talking about Caleb Martin. I think my sense is that he probably does re- sign another deal with Miami. Uh, a guy like Omar Yurtsevin, who, who's here. Gabe Vincent, who's here. Um, the Heat have done a good job of keeping their guys. And Max Strew, same thing. And the other guy that they did this with just this last offseason was Duncan Robinson. Homegrown guy. Deserve, earns the big, the big contract. Signs a big contract. Stays with Miami. You could say what you will about that deal. But the Heat have historically kept their dudes. They have done They've what always, they had to do to keep yeah. their dudes. They've always understood how to balance things, how to view the short term and go all in, but also make the right moves to set them up for the long term. Well, sometimes it doesn't not... work. Sometimes it ends up being Dion Waiters and James Johnson and Tyler. That Charles. was a good sometimes move. That was a good move. They were right there next to the playoffs. I, I disagree. Those were movable contracts, something that this roster okay. does not have. So I think they had a plan. It just didn't come out as perfectly as they would have liked. Having said that, they Are also saying they should leave. sign Dion Waiters to a $10 million contract. I think they should have gotten better leaps from guys like Richardson and Justice mm-hmm. Winslow, and that's what they were counting on. And if that had paid off, it would have been a much more complete roster. But anyway, look, the Lakers, they're all in for this year because LeBron doesn't have a lot, lot, lot of time left. So they were all in, and that's why those moves were made the way they did. They wanted to make sure they paid their superstars. They thought they were going to get something out of Russell Westbrook. That was a stupid deal. I know that that was a stupid deal. We've all known that for quite some time, and it's certainly been yeah. evident this season. But anyway, this next question comes in from also Narayana. He writes in, with the depth of this team, I can foresee a lot of load management post-All-Star break for Kyle, Jimmy, Bam, PJ, and the production doesn't drop by much. Bodes really well for attaining slash maintaining higher seed. Yes, I think we're right about that. I think that's a, um, a great guess. Go ahead. I, I don't know. It depends on what the load management looks like. I, I don't know that you're going to – 
see them taking games off. Maybe the second night of back-to-backs. But look, this team is also in the middle of a, a seed chase, right? Like sure. It really matters for Miami to get the number one seed. That could be a swing factor for them in the playoffs. So I don't see like Kyle and Jimmy just taking games off. I, I don't. This is not going to be Kawhi Leonard style load management, but maybe you bring the minutes down for a little bit. Maybe you keep it closer to 30 minutes as opposed to 35 and 36. And Stroh's never been good about that, right? He's never, he's like, he'll sit you down for rest. He's still, he's still a whole game for rest, but he's not going to put you out there. If there's a chance to win in the last five minutes, he'll trot your ass back out there, whether you, he's never really had a team this deep either. So I don't, maybe you can get away with it this year. Look, I, I would, I would, I'm with you. I would lean on the side of there's no such thing as load management this season, that this team wants to win a championship and they believe getting a number one seed is the one of the best ways that they could do that. And they're going to do what they can to get that one seed. But maybe there's minutes here and there that they could spare. I don't know. Uh, I But it kind of goes back to the old rotation question. There's going to be a there's going to be eight or nine guys that play every single night. So you you allocate the minutes from there. I don't know. I'll believe the load management when I see it. Yeah, this isn't the same thing as recognizing that Dwayne is older and he's put a lot of pressure on his mm-hmm. knees. And, and that was a special relationship with Dwayne that I don't think can't be duplicated. I mean, unless Kyle actively goes to the spo and says, you know what, my back is hurting or my leg or something. Right, like you had thing. Dwayne saying, hey, I need games off because of my knee and Spo listening to him. Uh, I think if Jimmy or Kyle were to do that, he would listen. I just don't see sure. Jimmy and Kyle doing that. No, absolutely not. Uh, this next question comes in from Dan Healy over at Heating Up in the UK. Does PJ Tucker absolutely have to retire a Miami Heat player? Surely, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good question. Uh, look, PJ, a fan favorite, putting in all the work and the effort and synonymous with Heat culture, even after just less than half a season or about just about half a season. So uh, a fantastic year for him, but also 37 years old. Uh, 36. Yeah. 36, excuse me. So, Yeah, I think, he, and he signed a two-year contract. He's got a player option for next year. And he probably picks it up. It seems to be he seems to be enjoying himself in Miami. Um, look, he, this isn't like a Kyle Lowry situation. Like everybody knows, Kyle Lowry will retire with the Raptors. He'll sign the one day contract for five dollars, whatever it is, and he'll retire a Raptor. Uh, but Tucker doesn't really have that, right? He spent time in Houston, Phoenix, Toronto, but he doesn't really have that team the way that Kyle Lowry has Toronto or you know LeBron probably will have Cleveland and things like that. PJ Tucker doesn't have that. And he's 36. He'll be 38 by the time this contract is over. Uh, and, you know, I would be surprised if he plays longer than that. This might be his last deal. And so for that reason, yeah, maybe he does retire with the Miami Heat. But it's not because he has to. It's This is not Udonis Haslam, right, that we're talking about. I just think that he's he's old and he's got maybe one more contract left on him. Well, he could always... One. He could always assume the Udonis role. I mean, we've heard that Udonis wants to play mm-hmm. one more season so he can make an even 20, and then he'll fade away to wherever he does go. And then maybe from that point, P.J. Tucker will be here as a guy who just continues to work on the floor, remind the uh, younger players what it takes to get to that next level. I'd like to see him in that role, but I could also see Goran Dragic. He could uh, use the, uh, the P.J. could use the money to keep buying shoes. I mean, <laughs> that'd be something. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Like, it's keep, a, keep an eye on his Instagram account because if he – I, if he finds the blueberry pancake spot that he's been searching for, then there's a better chance of him staying in Miami because he always has a blueberry. He always has blueberry pancakes before every game. It's his, it's his routine. It's his tradition for years and years and years. And according to his Instagram, he's been on the prowl for a great blueberry pancake. I um, thought it was that place in the Grove. I thought it was already a done deal. Like that was the. the he place said it was up pancake. there, but did he say that it was a done deal? Oh, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't. I haven't asked him in a post game presser about the pancake. Make sure the search him. for the right pancake. Yeah, that's that's the, <laughs> the question everybody wants to hear. 
All right, this last one isn't a question so much as it is a prevalent thought here. On Wednesday, with Jimmy Butler missing his 18th game and Bam Adebayo missing his 23rd, the Heat annihilated an Atlanta Hawks squad that had both Trey Young and John Collins on the floor. If you were to ask anyone at the beginning of the season where they expected the Heat to be if their best two players missed 50% of their games through January, they would have expected the Heat to be playing for the play-in tournament. We just need to take a moment to sit back and appreciate the same 30-11 and 11 vibe that this Heat team, without its two best players, have given us during the first half of the season. Well said, and I think it shows that, that one, a lot of fans understand just how good this run has been. Like, what we saw last year was different, a different vibe. They went to the finals, so there was a lot of high expectations for this team, but it was just such a long season. It was grueling, even as we were dealing with so many issues off the court, too, from the election to social justice issues to, of course, COVID that continues to dominate so many of our lives. Like that season just was constantly under strain. This was this feels a little different. Uh, not to say that those issues have been resolved in any way, shape or form. But on the court, you see this team kind of connecting in a way that we haven't seen in a little while. And and I, I'm very, very glad to see it. Like we haven't been privy to what happens in the locker room, but we've been close enough to see what these players, how they interact with one another. There's clearly a camaraderie there that I haven't seen in a couple seasons. And I think that's pretty evident when you see this team working together on the floor. And the fan base is connecting to this team too. And I'll, I'll just keep saying it like the last week at FTX arena, the crowd's been awesome. It's been late arriving, but I don't care about that when they're there. They're there midway through the first quarter, and they don't leave until the game's over. And uh, they're really loud, and the and the atmosphere has been really great this yeah. for this last few home games. Well, thank you, Billy, for sending that in and giving us all the feels here as we wrap up today's episode. That's always an option for all of you, by the way. If you want to send in comments on YouTube, via email, via Twitter, however you feel comfortable sending those in, make sure to do those. You can always reach us using the hashtag AskLOHeat. You can always send us an email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. This is David Ramil signing off for now. Thanks again for joining me, Wes. Be safe this weekend, bees.